Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Football season is already halfway through, and basketball season is now in full swing, and BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code Believe 50, B L E A V 50, to receive your bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Good. Good afternoon or good night. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy Podcast Live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live, because it's a podcast. Welcome into this lovely Stripe Hype Thursday, at least according to my count. Might not be a Stripe Hype Thursday according to your count. Our boy Blake Jude is back. Uh, make sure to check out his stuff, by the way. He does really great Bengals content, NFL draft content. This dude is really, really knowledgeable with football, and he's one of our great, great friends here on the show. So, of course, y'all should stop in and check out his stuff and support him because he gives us all of these amazing free podcasts all across the last 18 months. No, further than that, close to 20 months now. We're going into... Full season two of football, draft season number three. Gosh, it's fantastic. I love this guy. So we will get to that in, uh, I guess, about 30 seconds. I think that's about the amount of time it'll take to fill here and roll in with our Stripe Hype Thursday. We got a conversation about the Atlanta Falcons, which is an excuse to play our Atlanta Falcons theme song here, which I guess means that it won't be 30 seconds. It'll be closer to three minutes before we get to the Stripe Hype Thursday. And... We're going to talk about AFC playoffs and play a fun little game because y'all love our fun little games here and you can play along with us here and over on our Instagram. If you're listening to this on the Stripe Hype Thursday, if you're listening to it after, unfortunately, you cannot play along with us for the game, but you can't enjoy it in the short term for now. So let's roll on in. No A block today other than just playing all the work that we put in earlier in the week for our Atlanta Falcons theme song to a Stripe Hype Thursday. Harry Douglas, Arthur Blank, Dante Fowler, Michael Vick, Devin Hester Hayden, Hurston Caleb McGarry, Tack McKinley, Deion Sanders, Michael Turner, Grady Jarrett, Austin Hooper, Tevin Coleman, Tony Gonzalez. Warwick Dunn, Brent Grimes, Kyle Pitts, Des Turfont, Leftwich, Julio, Mascot Has Creepy Eyes, Darren Holland, KZ, Maddie won an MVP, AJ Terrell, Duron Harmon, Russell Gage, Vic Beasley. We're the Atlanta Falcons, we're always flying and we keep on trying. We're the Atlanta Falcons, 
We keep blowing leads, but we try to fight it. Steven, Jackson, Jalen, Mayfield, Dan, Quinn, and Shanahan, Jeff, George, Jake, Matthews, Fabian, Moreau. Mike Davis, Ito Smith, Devonta Freeman's Pro Bowl, Jock Keys, Rogers, Asante, Samuel, Young Way, Dean Pease, Mike Smith had a winning team, Henry Crockett, Petrino, Calvin Ridley, Jaden Graham, Deion Jones, Tajay Sharkord, Daryl is a running back, Chris Lindstrom, D'Angelo Hall, some dude names a Keyes, we're the Atlanta Falcons, we're always flying and we keep on trying, we're the Atlanta Falcons. We keep blowing leads, but we try and fight it. Dirty Bird, bring it back. Roddy White and Alex Mack, Alford, Luke McCown, Super Bowl prostitutes, Justin Hardy, Matt Shaw, Atlanta Braves, baseball beat with an onside kick. Dirt Cutter's an idiot. Corey Peters, Richie Grant, Chris Chandler, Paul Warlow, Lee Smith, Jay Brown, Super Bowl's a no-go, Sanu Brooks, Reed, Mike Pinnell, Matt Hennessy, Dwight Freeney, Toy Lolo, don't score that ball, Todd Gurley. We're the Atlanta Falcons, we're always flying and we keep on trying, we're the Atlanta Falcons, we keep blowing leads and we try to fight it. What's going on? Just so I don't forget to record later. How are you? <laughs> I am doing fantastic. Finally, we can get a, a regular Stripe Pipe Wednesday, and it's been a crazy couple of weeks, but I'm doing good. My entire family's in quarantine right now, so I guess that means I'm in quarantine too. So I got time to do a bunch of stuff when it comes to scouting and fantasy and all that fun stuff right now. Oh, good Lord. That sounds not fun, but also reset your life a little bit good lord okay then um <laughs> live from quarantine which is less fun than having him live on the scene from a cincinnati Bengals game but live from quarantine we have blake jude stripe hype thursday recorded on a wednesday whatever <laughs> whatever it is we're doing here just the usual yeah the, the usual except everything behind the scenes being like just a flaming pit of fire like texas <laughs> exactly exactly just like the texas longhorns yeah because you know the last time you were here less than a week ago we had that going on and that was uh that was us joking that it would be a, it would be a ama- it would be a full podcast worth of content and it was and technically i've done two podcasts where it's just a full podcast worth of content of the texas longhorns being terrible at football and losing that game which was wonderful which is a great place to segue seamlessly into the podcast from you having to be in quarantine. <laughs> it, I mean, it's, it's been a, uh, it's, you know, even though I'm in quarantine, I guess right now, I, by the way, it just started. So I'm not like in the stage where I'm like, get me out of here yet. Um, mm-hmm. Last couple of weeks I've, or last couple of days I've been off work. Of course, I've gotten a chance to, I guess, go through, uh, a bunch of scouting, watch a couple of games. I did rewatch Kansas, Texas because we were recording the podcast while the game was going on. Uh, I watched a little bit of that. Uh, of course, I think everyone had to watch that game after seeing te- Kansas finally get the win. Um, I-, I watch a lot of uh, condensed games, try to at least on like YouTube and things like that. Uh, and I also uh, got a chance to watch a couple of other games. I watched Kentucky Vanderbilt again, of course. I watched, um, I-, I believe, uh, was it Texas A&M, Old Miss, I believe, were playing or, or- – yep. Yeah, yeah, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, watch a couple of those games. Uh, 
and it, it's been a lot of fun, you know, uh, just to try to get back into things. And I've been so busy the last couple of weeks. Like I said, I've kind of taken a step back in scouting. And so, you know, maybe quarantine isn't the best thing. I don't like being kept up in my house all day, but at the same time, maybe this can uh, put me on the right path to come to scouting and all that stuff. Yeah. To doing your 300 prospects, like a crazy person, you can, you can <laughs> take the first steps. <laughs> exactly. And I've actually already gotten my first 25 out. Uh, right now, of course, I already dropped my mock draft a couple of, uh, last week, I believe, as well. Yeah, um, we talked and, about and all that, that a little bit. Stuff. Yeah, so hopefully there's going to be some more uh, content coming out pretty soon. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so look out for that by following Stripe Pipe Cincy with the link in the description to today's episode, of course. Um, all a seamless plug right there. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know where we're going to go with today's podcast, but I do have another guessing game lined up for some point oh. here on the podcast. I've been saving this for two weeks for a proper podcast because uh, we've been doing Saturday podcasts with college football for the past couple of weeks, which have been very, very fun. It's fun to react live on a college football Saturday. <laughs> so because of that, I've been saving this game for some point here, but other than that, I've got nothing there on the docket to throw in here other than just the NFL podcast that we've been doing. Cause the last time we were on, I think we dedicated a good portion of the podcast to what do we do with the top of the AFC and I feel like we've done the podcasts where it's like, hey, who are the good teams in the NFC? And it feels like we know who the five good teams are. So apart from that, I don't know where to go with this podcast. Is there anything you find interesting right now? Well, well let me just say, we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about any of the NFL Sundays the last couple of weeks. And I mean, boy, oh boy, does the AFC get even more confusing <laughs> with how everything has turned out this week. We see Cleveland... Uh, of course, just get absolutely destroyed by the New England Patriots who have been, you know, mediocre throughout this season. We see the Pittsburgh Steelers tie the Detroit Lions <laughs> and then the Baltimore Ravens turn around and lose to the Miami Dolphins. So, and like, Bills I mean, Jaguars. Just, Don't forget Bills Jaguars, too. Jaguars beat the Bills, of course. Um, you know, we, we, we watched the Tennessee Titans lose to the New York Jets several weeks ago. We thought, oh, the Titans are an overrated AFC team right now. But they genuinely look like the best team right now in the AFC. And that is just astounding to me how many teams, good teams in this division are just, or conference, I mean, are just losing. I mean, a bunch of good teams. The Bengals had lost the last couple of games uh, pretty badly. Of course, they lost to the Jets as well. Um, you know, New England is, I guess, been one of the hotter teams in the league. They've lost a couple of bad games, of course. Um, you know, we're just seeing a, a very, very inconsistent divi- conference right now. And I mean, this AFC division or conference in general is just wide open. I mean, there are so many five and five teams right now in the NFL, five and four, five and five, you know, four and five. I mean, it is anyone's game, and it is really, really cool to see that. And it's kind of exciting because it almost feels like basically the season's almost restarting after this week um, because of everyone's pretty much on an even playing field right now. There's, you know, there's a couple of teams that are pretty much already out of the playoff race. But for the most part, you know, outside of the Lions and, you know, maybe the Jets and Dolphins and teams like that, most of the teams are still in the playoff race, and that's pretty cool to see. Yeah, I think you can take out about – five teams but other than that you've got about 10 fighting for seven playoff spots and all of them you could make the case deserve it um i mentioned five that does indeed include the broncos we can get the broncos the hell out of here at this point i know they're five and five but let's not pretend that they're actually good uh the same way we're not going to pretend that the falcons are actually good here on this podcast before they play the patriots on thursday night uh we're not going to pretend like either of those teams are good at football but other than that yeah i think there's a real point there 
Fun quiz question here for you. Do you know who is leading the NFL in pressures this season as a edge rusher? Max Crosby. That is not correct, but it's a good guess. It is Danico Autry for the really Tennessee Titans. Wow. Okay, yeah. so I do I do keep up with the stats a little bit. I thought I I thought I saw it was Max Crosby, but I might Max Crosby's just... right up there. Max with two X's. Um, by the way, this is kind of a fun like throw it in there later down the road. But the Raiders drafted Max Crosby in the third round immediately the year after trading Khalil Mack. So fun little tidbit there that Max Crosby came in there and has replicated Khalil Mack numbers in two of the three seasons that he has been with the Las Vegas Raiders. So fun little tidbit there for the Raiders that the Cleveland Furl pick is really bad, but at the same time, I think uh, this one has worked out slightly better finding a really good edge rusher in the third round for the Raiders. Cause anytime we can shout out Max with two X's Crosby, we like to do it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's been outstanding this season and, you know, despite, Despite like not hitting on really any of those trade or any of those picks that they got that they got for Khalil Mack, excuse me, it's almost like they still won that trade because they found a younger product that is uh, I mean that has been in the last couple of seasons better than Khalil Mack in production. So I mean they have a new young guy on their on their roster. He has certainly made the biggest impact on their defense right now. He's a big reason why they're doing so well, along with also their cornerbacks Casey Hayward and rookie Nate Hobbs. Uh, it's been a pretty impressive, I guess, trio of guys right there. I've kind of carried this uh, this defense um, to what they, I guess, kind of need to be. There's still definitely some work to do. The linebackers are still have, you know, still a little couple of weaknesses there. Their interior defensive line still needs some work, I think. Um, opposite edge rush, the Max Crosby isn't perfect. You can use better safeties. I mean, there's a lot of needs still on that roster on, on the defense, but it has certainly been good with the star power that they've had. Yeah, and this is a fun podcast to do this week after we all watched the Chiefs just dismantle the Raiders defense last week. But if you had said this a week ago, this would have been an absolutely perfect podcast to talk about the Raiders. Um, We kind of mentioned this on the podcast, but kind of didn't that I picked the uh, I picked the Chiefs last week uh, simply out of the logic of the Raiders are not allowed to be good. And it came through for me because the Raiders are not allowed to be good. Uh, I also was doing a podcast with slump buster before this. And um, when we got to the Bengals Raiders game, I literally just flipped a coin to decide who would win this week. And that feels appropriate for both of those teams right now. Cause I just don't know what to do with either of it, either of them. And it's totally going to be a matchup driven game, like all the way through. So the Raiders Raiders are not on the highest point right now, but I like that you're willing to sing their praises even still after they get exposed for not actually being that good. So, so who won that coin toss? Just curious. Uh, the Bengals won that coin toss. So oh, okay. I, I, I have the Bengals this week against the Raiders. It's going to be a tough game, an interesting game. I think both these teams are in need of a win if they want to prove that they belong in the playoffs. Uh, I think whoever wins this could make a very strong case to be the seventh seed. Whoever loses this is definitely going to have to fight uh, really, really hard to get in. So um, that, that's going to be a, that's going to be a very big key game. I mean, we're already talking about like playoff potential games this season. That's going to be one of them. That's going to be a game that a lot of people need to watch. Uh, because that might be a deciding factor on who makes the playoffs at the end of the season. We've played this game a couple times. I'll play it with you right now. So do you assume that the Titans are going to win the South? Yes. The Chiefs are going to win the West? Yes. The Bills are going to win the East? Yep. Ravens are going to win the North? Yes. Okay, pick your final three playoff teams. 
It, it's tough. Uh, first things first, I, I want I want to go ahead and just throw the Chargers in there. I think that they're legit. I think they are going to be right there with the Chiefs uh, for that for that AFC West, uh, you know, uh, title right now. And I, I see them going 11 and 6, 12 and 5, possibly. Uh, I think that they're probably going to be the best wild card team of this group. Um, so I'll go ahead and place them as my five seed right now. Number six. I think one of the hotter teams in the league right now is the New England Patriots. Uh, they have looked really, really good and have shown me – they've really impressed um, with uh, me a lot uh, to see how well they just absolutely dominated the Cleveland Browns. He just came off a huge winning Cincinnati Bengals the previous week. I think that I think Bill Belichick is finally starting to revive this Ravens team. Their defense looks elite right now. They are playing out of their minds. Matthew Judon's having a huge revitalization. The running back core has been really, really good. I really think the, the Patriots are finally back. And Matt Jones is making now throws necessary to win. I think now all of a sudden you have a very good conversation on Matt Jones possibly being new rookie of the year candidate uh, over Jamar Chase at this point. No, let's so not do it. I know. I know we used to hate on Mac Jones during the draft process, but and he's he's been really good. I. We didn't talk about this much on the podcast, but he actually did well while finally opening up the playbook like that. He actually was like using a, a, a full array of the field instead of just game managing their way to victories. But he looked really good. But no, Jamar Chase deserves it. it does, don't don't give it to a quarterback just because it's a quarterback. Mac Jones has only been an OK rookie this year. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree, and yeah. I, my vote would still go to Jamar Chase, of course, and I, I'm a little biased on that as, as well. But you know, I, I would I would agree. I think Jamar Chase is probably still my pick here. But I, you know, I will say, and I didn't say it during the off season where the Patriots picked Mac Jones. It, it, you know, Mac Jones was still not a quarterback. I'm still not high on Mac Jones, and I am any of the other quarterbacks in the draft. Nothing that I saw has changed my mind. Otherwise, if I was go- was to make my prospect rankings again, Mac Jones would still be fifth. Right. I just think the biggest factor is he's in Bill Belichick in New England's offense. That's going to make any quarterback look a lot better than what they actually are. And so I really think Matt Jones has really helped produce off that. That was his absolute ideal fit. I said that multiple times with the NFL draft process. I mocked a bunch of the Patriots. I thought it'd be a great move for New England because I, I know that if they want their next Tom Brady, you know, I, I'm not saying Matt Jones is to Tom Brady's level, but in the NFL draft, who's going to be the most similar quarterback to Tom Brady, that is Mac Jones. So I think he fits the scheme really, really well. And I think that what we've seen from him is exactly what I expected him to do in the New England Patriots system. So nothing really surprises me there. I still don't think talent-wise he is more skilled than Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson even, or Trevor Lawrence. But I do think because he's in the Patriots system, it makes him look a lot better and he's able to do the things he's great at at an elite level. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the Patriots are succeed right now. I think they're really, really good, and I want to stick them there. The last, the last uh, seed is, is is really tough because I mean I, I really narrow it down to the three teams right now. Uh, that being the Las Vegas Raiders, Cincinnati Bengals, and Cleveland Browns. I think it's really a contention between those three teams primarily. I can see the, the Indianapolis Colts kind of contending here as well, but with the slow start they had to this season uh, and the fact that their schedule gets a little bit tougher here down the line, I don't know if they can continue that. Uh, at, at a high level um, right now, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the Cleveland or the Indianapolis Colts out right now. Um, I, I really really think the winner of this Bengals uh, Raiders game is going to probably be that last seed um, in, in the division. But at the same time, if the Cleveland Browns are able to bounce back, they might be able to contend for one. Personally, I think Cleveland's heading towards the wrong direction. I'll take them out. I don't know if this is a cop out answer, but whoever wins this game on Sunday between the Bengals and the Raiders, I think is going to probably end up being a seven seed. That is uh, the literal definition of a cop-out answer, but that's that's totally I'll take okay. the Raiders. I'll take the Raiders. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, what's the line on this? You, you could maybe lock in betting against your team this week if the Raiders are uh, 
Oh, the Raiders are underdogs. The Raiders are one point dogs. So if you if you want to emotionally hedge your bet, you can you can lock in the Raiders this week. I, I would rather not. Uh, I just <laughs> uh, I'm I'm at, I'm at the point every season I'm at this point with the Bengals. I'm, I have to see it to believe it. You know, uh, I have to see that we're that we're legit to believe that we're legit. And the last couple of weeks has not proven that to me at all and uh you know similar to the browns i think the Bengals have been heading into the wrong direction the last couple of weeks and though the raiders got blown out i think that they have still remained a pretty constant team throughout the season uh cincinnati is a pretty weak secondary right now eli apple has not been very good i do worry about this passing attack they're very very weak against tight ends i think darren waller can absolutely eat them up i just worry about this game for from the cincinnati Bengals perspective yeah and the Bengals are again this one feels like a really matchup driven game this week because the Raiders secondary has been pretty good this year. And do they, (laughs) we talked a lot. I mean, the phrase that every like football person who pretends like they watch film has used is double high safeties because that's how you've taken away the chiefs this year. And the Raiders just said, ah, bleep it. We're just going to blitz all the time and then get torched by the chiefs offense. And maybe they, they decide this time we're going to play safeties back and and take away Jamar chase because it's a very similar scheme to what the chiefs are running. Uh, obviously it's hard to replicate what the chiefs are running, but the Bengals will be similar in that way where they decide on Jamar chase and whether they want to give up the T Higgins or the Tyler Boyd plays or Uzama in the red zone, uh, whatever they want to do there. And then on the flip side, how did the Bengals defense go up against the Raiders offense is an interesting matchup. So that's why I feel like that game's a coin toss, but that one's going to be interesting to see there. You said the Chargers would be like 12 and five, and that would require them to be like seven and one the rest of the season, which is kind of hard to imagine considering the trajectory they're going right now. But I do like the faith that you have because you said all the way through the start of the year, you thought the Chargers were going to be really, really good all the way through the start of the season. Then they started really good. and You haven't really wavered much since. So I still love the the unbounded confidence in the Los Angeles Chargers, even if their rush defense is terrible. Yeah, that, that is true. Uh, you know, yeah, 11 and 6, maybe 12 and 5 is a little bit generous. I, I, maybe 11 and 6 is a better projection here. But I do, I, I do think that they earned the, the 5 seed, uh, at least my, right now in my predictions. Things could change possibly depending on who, you know, who wins this week and everything like that, of course. But uh, as of right now, I, I think the Chargers, I'm just, I'm just impressed with their team in general. I think their offense is super high-powered and talented between Keaton Allen, Mike Williams, of course, you now have guys like Donald Parham and Jared Cook kind of breaking out and doing really well. Of course, you also have Austin Eckler and Larry Roundtree doing well in the backfield. I really like their offense. And though their defense has had times where they have certainly struggled, especially in the run game, definitely still think guys like Joey Bosa, Derwin James can play huge factors in helping that defense still be good enough to just win games, uh, which is why I kind of predicted them there. But I, I will say I definitely think that they are not – absolute playoff locks by any means but i do think that all the afc west teams i expect one to make the playoffs and i think the chargers are the best out of that group between the raiders broncos and chargers right now yeah that seems fair the broncos are not actually good the raiders are not allowed to be good this is a rule for the last 20 years it's just the raiders are not allowed to be good at football and the chargers kind of fill that void because they have that magical quarterback and that's kind of cool to have for them um well, you mentioned the Chargers here. Uh, this leads me to a question I've wanted to ask you for weeks now and really just propose as an option here on the podcast. Why are the Vikings so dumb? That is a great question um, that there are many possible answers to. So, I mean, it depends on the situation you have, but I'm, I'm assuming this is in-game calls because 
Oh no, I just meant I just meant that as a team. Like why why does it not make sense what happened to the Vikings? They're just a dumb team. Like they they lose one week, they win the next week, they're always in Kirk Cousins purgatory. They miss field goals, they make field goals. No one knows what to do with them, and also they might make the playoffs. I don't understand it at all. There are a couple of teams in the NFL that are just destined to go and have nine, 10 wins every season. Right. And I feel like that's just the Minnesota Vikings It's like that main team. I think of when I think of that, that phrase uh, used never... to be called Matt Ryan purgatory. Yeah. This is now Kirk cousins purgatory. This is the, that's no, the new name see, Kirk cousins purgatory already exists. That's being down seven, no timeouts, one minute length of the field. Oh, fair, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. But yeah, that used to also fair. be Philip rivers purgatory. It's very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just the Minnesota Vikings purgatory. Maybe that's what we just call it. Or Mike Zimmer purgatory. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, ninth seed purgatory. Been... In the NBA, we used to call it Kemba Walker purgatory with the Charlotte yeah, Hornets. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, but I, I definitely think like right now, it just seems that the Vikings have just continued to barely hold on. They always tend to keep games close. Like I don't remember the last time I've seen a Minnesota Vikings blow out a team or get blown out by a team. But you know, like you say, they always just end up at the end of games where it's, I mean, it's a 50-50 chance to win the game. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And that's what ends up resulting in this 9-7, and 8-8, and eight, you know, now it's going to be like 9-8, and 8-9 eight, eight, record right now. I mean, it, it, it's literally just every game is a last-minute possession that's going to cause them the game, right? And, of course, last week I didn't work out for them. They didn't perform really well at August, the Chargers. Um but even then, like you look at the roster and what and what they have right now. I mean, you have a top three running back right now, and Dalvin Cook has been absolutely fantastic. Still, um, you know, you you have an offensive line that can use some work. But Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne have been a really good trio of wide receivers right now for their team. Uh, their defense hasn't been fantastic, but they've had moments where they look pretty good. Eric Kendricks has been really nice, of course. They have Daniel Hunter, and of course, uh, the revitalization of Everson Griffin right now. On the edge, I mean, there, there are certainly some pretty good players in that roster right now that are capable of making big plays whenever needed. And they have done that to, on occasion. And on some occasions, they've had players who have just screwed up and not done good enough to win games. Like in this Cincinnati Bengals game, you had a huge fumble from Dalvin Cook. You had a couple of mistakes made by the defense to let Jamar Chase get open deep in the, on the field. You know, under no, under no circumstance, the Vikings have lost that game had they not had the fumble from Dalvin Cook. But they make a couple of mistakes, they lose the game. And they have a couple of games where Justin Jefferson has heroics. You see Dalvin Cook heroics. They win the game. It's just really just a tale of a different game every week for them. It's just, it's, it's so weird how it works, but you know, that's just, that's just how the Vikings are, I guess at this point. And I, I genuinely don't know if they're good enough to make the playoffs. I, I just think that that's, that's one of the teams that are, are going to be like either the eighth seed or the seventh seed. They're going to be one of those two. Yes. Uh, should we discuss what I like to call the bottomless pit of hell that is the battle for the seventh NFC wild card? Um, because it's bad. <laughs> it's a lot of bad football trying to fight for that last wild card spot. You got like the Panthers, the Falcons, the Cowboys, I mean, not the Cowboys, the Giants, Washington, the Eagles, the Bears, the Vikings, the 49ers, the Seahawks. It's just a lot of bad football trying to fight for one meaningless playoff spot. It, it's bad. Uh, and <laughs> and honestly, like, I mean, none of them deserve it. Who, who's getting it right now? I think it's the Falcons that are currently at a seven seed right now, which uh, is astounding. After last week, it's the Panthers now. It was the Panthers Falcons. Couple. Now it's the Panthers because the Falcons got boat raced by the Cowboys. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. But you know, the Falcons at one point in my power rankings were 32nd, right? Like they were the worst team in the league. I was like, this is a team that's probably gonna be picking in the top three of the draft. And you know, here's Matt Ryan and the Falcons doing what Matt Ryan and the Falcons do best, be mediocre, just enough to win a couple of games. Fight this season. really, really hard to get to eight wins. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's exactly what the Falcons are right now. And I don't know, I don't understand why or how that's the case. Uh, they refuse to tank by any means necessary. And even with new coaching, that's not changed at all. They are still pretty much the exact same team. So they have Cordero Patterson now of all. Of He's going to go for 1,500 freaking yards. I don't understand. He's going to have 1,500 yards of offense this year. He should be in the Pro Bowl. And that is insane yeah. to think about. Over Alvin Kamara. It doesn't make right. sense. <laughs> I mean, he, he has been fantastic, and he's been a huge factor in, in their, on their team right now. He's really been there. Uh, not only the best, one of the best pass catchers, but also the best rusher, uh, you know, a form, former wide receiver, uh, you know, turned, I mean, I guess, uh, I, don't, I don't really know what you call him. I guess he's like a, uh, kind of like a Baron Sproles type for this team. Yeah, whatever really Christian McCaffrey is. Whatever Christian right. McCaffrey is. That's just apparently Cordero Patterson now. The, the wide receiver who was absolute dog shit on the Minnesota Vikings is now a, a super weapon for the Falcons. When the This is the dumbest part of it. I've been thinking about this for <laughs> weeks. They did tank. Last year was the worst year of the rebuild. They drafted Kyle Pitts and now they just like don't need him because their entire offense is Cordero Patterson and some dude named Zacchaeus. <laughs> Orlando Zacchaeus, yeah. Uh, it, it, is, it is really odd. But I will say Kyle Pitts has been great this season. No, I'm not going to take away from Kyle Pitts' performance. He's been really nice. Yeah. But I, I will say, I mean, it feels like you know, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts is, of course, a rookie. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of adjustments to do. You don't expect them to be fantastic year one, but it really feels like their team has not changed at all, you know? And I mean, I don't think I disagree. I feel like I feel like we're getting to the same result, but it's a different process. Like it used to be that they were always Maybe. playing like these 35, 35 shootouts. But I feel like we haven't had very many Falcons chaos games this year. It feels like they either get blown out or blow another team out or win like this, this 24 to 21, like slug fest, like the results are the same, but it's been a different process to get there. I feel like it's been, it's been a different vibe from the Falcons this year with the rotting corpse of Matt Ryan. Maybe that, that, that might be, it's correct. But I, I will say like, I feel like maybe, maybe what I was talking about was just like, they have still had the same results, right? I could still like, you know, the Falcons are still going to be the, you know, in the same position in the NFL draft, the same position in the playoffs, you know, the, I, I, they haven't changed despite being a different team, right? Like certainly the roster has changed. Their roster's almost flipped upside, upside its head now with uh, Arthur Smith and a head coach. So, uh, you know, to a certain extent, I guess they for sure changed, but at the same time, like how different are they results wise? Not much at all. Right. And that's why I'm, it, it's kind of funny that uh, the Falcons haven't really done much. Um, I'm really, really interested to see, what they do this off season. I want to see them get a new quarterback or something like that. You know, I was, I was very, I, I really wouldn't have minded if they would have went after a guy like Trey Lance in the draft last year and try to get someone like that. I definitely think Kyle Pitts is the right pick, but you know, just to see them try to change things up and get someone different. I, I mocked him Trey Lance a couple of times last season um, because I, I just thought like, you know, what would they be like with a new quarterback? I thought that would be really interesting. Yeah, I remember when we were doing all the draft coverage, we were both arguing that if this is the highest pick you want to have in the rebuild, this is the big cornerstone piece that you're investing for the next part of your franchise, and you really need to get that pick right. And, and I think we both thought that Pitts was a good pick because we both saw him. We're just like, this dude is ridiculous. 
But I think I was articulating like the Justin Fields position a bit where I'm like, even if you keep Matt Ryan, which I would have thought they would have traded Matt Ryan if they went that direction. Even if you do that, like, I think it's better to invest at least like take a shot because if if it does work, then you're going to have success for a decade, potentially, if you're Arthur Smith or, you know, seven to eight years, if if it hits and ultimately that's a success that you're not a two and out or three and out coach. So I don't know. I guess they just wanted to play it safe in that way. And they've built a, a safe team, I guess. But I think you and I were both kind of on the same boat of that. Like it, they could, should, would draft a quarterback at the top of the draft. And maybe this year they sit and get a quarterback lower in the draft. Maybe not as talented as Lancer fields, but maybe they sit this year and one of these quarterbacks falls into their lap. So, Yes, you're, you're totally right. I mean, I, I think we both agree that Pitts is probably best player available at that point, and it made sense to go Pitts because he probably is the best player to take in the draft that, at that point. But at the same time, um, I, I definitely think you, you look at, you know, where the roster needed to be, and it kind of just felt like Justin Fields and, and Trey Lance were two both made just great sense for Arthur Smith's scheme and, and what he was wanting to do. And at the same time, we also, you know, we, we didn't expect the Falcons to – be in a position this year to be okay and still be able to take a quarterback, you know, like it's actually worked out perfectly for them because they're, they're going to have pick 16, 15, 14 in this draft right now, but that actually might be where a quarterback two or quarterback three goes in this draft with the way it's looking right now. So it has actually worked out perfect for them. They can afford to be okay this year and still be able to get a Malik Willis or Sam Howell or Matt Corral in this draft. But, you know, going into the 2020 season, we didn't know that of course. So we didn't know they'd been in that position. We, you know, I, I kind of went into the process of you can take Kyle Pitts BPA and roll with Matt Ryan, or like you said, trade Matt Ryan, get your quarterback, start the rebuilding process, get another high pick, and then go after another rebuilding player you want to get the following year. So, so similar to what Cincinnati Bengals did. They, of course, they got Joe Burrow pick number one overall, and they got Jamar Chase after. Get your quarterback first, let him learn the offense, then get your weapon right after. I thought that would have been just as good of a scenario if they were able to get just Justin Fields and Chris Olave. We're talking about a completely different team in the Falcons uh, compared to what could be now be maybe Kyle Pitts and Sam Howell. And you know what? Kyle Pitts and Sam Howell might be better. We don't know. But it just really depends on, you know, who's going to be the better quarterback in the long run. Justin Fields, Sam Howell, I would lean towards Fields at this very moment. But at the same time, I don't know what, you know, take the Falcons are going to have just yet. I don't know if maybe they're going to try to package Matt Ryan in the future to get a better pick. Uh, and the draft possibly, maybe they can, um, you know, we'll have to see, of course, but uh, it is exciting to see the Falcons, um, you know, maybe try to take a new direction this, uh, this off season is what I'm hoping they at least do. Uh, and, and if they're able to uh, have it all work out, that, that would be really cool. Cause when, I mean, ever since the Super Bowl, the Falcons have just been a, the same, you know, finishing team over and over. Uh, this is kind of a twofold question building off of that, which is one, do you think that would be a good direction for the Falcons to go in organizationally, given the defense is, you know, crap? Um, but would that be a good move to make organizationally? And two, what have you made of Arthur Smith? Because I know you thought it was a good hire when they brought in Arthur mm-hmm. Smith because they were going to run the Titans offense, but they haven't quite done that this year. So we talked about like what the Falcons are, but I just kind of want to see like after half a season where you've kind of stood on Arthur Smith. Yeah, so for the first question, you know, looking at what their overall, uh, you know, what, what their overall season, I guess, has, has been to a certain extent, I mean, or, or where their direction could be headed, I, I really, 
I really think it could be headed in a good direction because I, I knew Kyle Pitts was going to be an elite prospect one way or another. He's a difference maker on the field. It, you know, th- there are very few players in the NFL draft and, 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 and any, in any NFL draft that are game-changing prospects that are not quarterbacks. Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, they were game-changing prospects who were not quarterbacks, right? And they got one of those guys. So despite not getting a quarterback, you got a game-changer in Kyle Pitts. And so he could certainly be a guy that is – you know, he's not maybe not Calvin Johnson, but he's going to be an absolute game changer for a team and going to be an elite level prospect that is going to absolutely help his team get a lot better in the long run. Uh, and, and I really, really like that and think that that can be a, a very, very good thing for the Falcons if it works out for them. Now, it all depends on how this, you know, offseason goes, because I think this is a very, very key part of the, off, of the offseason where you have to hit on quarterback in some way, shape or form. And if you're not able to, you know, all of a sudden we're talking about a team that is going right back to where they kind of started. And that that is worrisome in, in a way, because if they don't hit on quarterback, obviously the cop hits pick maybe looks a lot worse than what it could be. So it really just depends on how this offseason works, but they're positioning themselves where the possibility of getting a quarterback is certainly possible. They just had to hit on that guy. So I'm going to wait to see how that happens before I make too many judgments. But for now, I, it's worked out. I would give it probably a B uh, overall for the Falcons this season and, and where they're positioning themselves for the future. Now for Arthur Smith, let me just say, I agree with you. I didn't think, I, I really just didn't think Arthur Smith was going to be um, the, uh, and I expected Arthur Smith to be what we kind of thought of Arthur Smith being, which was obviously a guy that's going to implement his own Titans offense. He's going to have his own Derrick Henry, which I thought could have been Mike Davis. He could have made Mike Davis new Derrick Henry. He had a very, very good 2020 season. I thought he could really have a breakout season this year. He even drafted him in fantasy because I thought he could be so good. So I really thought that there was a possibility where maybe he could have been a lot better. But, um, you know, that didn't happen. They, they, they didn't have – that didn't happen. They realized Matt Ryan was still – had some juice left, obviously, and he has done – I mean, he's, he's had a couple back-and-forth games, but he's done pretty well. And, you know, one of the biggest centerpieces that they were building around, Calvin Ridley, ended up, you know, not even being a factor this season right now. So they have a, a very, very huge gap at wide receiver. They had to find different ways to get people the ball, and they found their savior, Cordero Patterson, has become a huge factor. And, I mean, people don't talk about how much of a factor he's, gave, he's meant to this team. I mean – if we're talking about most valuable players, we're talking about MVP, but most valuable players to a team, Cordell Patterson might be in the top 10 right now with how, with, with how much he's impacted the Atlanta Falcons totally. I mean, Kyle Pitts has had a big season right now, but outside of that, Russell Gage not really a big factor. Orlando Zacchaeus, of course, has been okay, not a huge factor as well. They really have no offensive weapons other than Kyle Pitts and Cordell Patterson right now, which is astounding to think the Falcons are still putting up as many points as they are per game with Cordell Patterson and Kyle Pitts. I mean, it, it's insane. So, I mean, it, it's worked out. Arthur Smith has done one thing very, very impressive, and that is adjust. He's adjusted to the Falcons. He has played to their strengths. He saw how good Cordell Patterson was, and he, he, made him, he played him to the best of his ability. Cordell Patterson has not been a Derrick Henry by any means. He's been completely different, almost the exact opposite of Derrick Henry, but he has still become another dominant running back in the league right now. And, and because of that, the Falcons have found ways to win games, and now all of a sudden they're right in the playoff race for a wild card in the NFC. So I credit I credit um, uh, Arthur Smith and what he's done so far. I, I think, you know, the, the roster that he was given is not good. I mean, it's, I would say it's a bottom 10 roster right now in the league, but it, what he has done with it has been really, really good to be able to play people's strengths and, and they have managed to win games that I didn't think he could win right now. 
I was like I said at one point they were 32nd in my power rankings. I didn't think I thought they were going to be positioned this year where they're going to have a top three, top five pick in the draft right now. Now after seeing this, I don't think they will. And I think a big part of that is Arthur Smith's ability to be versatile and changes schemes whenever he is needed to, uh, and, and be able to be good enough offensively to still be able to produce while not having as much talent on the roster. You can trade your second round pick right now. The one you got for, uh, you, know, you, you still have the other one that you got from uh, Julio Jones, but you can trade your second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo right now. Are you doing it if you're the Falcons? No, wouldn't, wouldn't, would not do that ever. I mean, if you're in the Falcons position right now, you're definitely trying to get younger. And, and, and with the pick you're holding right now, there's an opportunity before you're going to have a better quarterback that is younger. And mm-hmm. honestly, right now, I mean, I, I do agree, Matt Ryan is, is kind of, you know, going off, uh, you know, his, or he's leaving his prime. Obviously, I would argue he's already left his prime. Um, we are seeing the remnants of, of Ryan Lapp. We're seeing flashes, but it's not going to be the same Matt Ryan ever again. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is a fine quarterback. He's not bad by any means. He can lead a, a team to be good enough. But are you going to pay that much money to have a guy that's just going to be an extra bird quarterback for the next two, three years? I wouldn't. I think that's wasting production of guys like Kyle Pitts. Um, if you're getting guys like Cordell Patterson to produce the way they are, you want to continue to take advantage of that and let him continue to, to do good. I think right now you need to look to get a young quarterback to help build around this team. I think that's the perfect position for them. Calvin Ridley's still really young. Whenever he comes back, he can be a huge factor for this team. This is a team that is still young and they need to stay young, I think, and get a young quarterback to be able to build around them. Um, so no, I would not, uh, get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, if we're talking a guy like Sam Darnold, maybe it's a different conversation. I can understand to be a Sam Darnold or someone like that. Possibly. Uh, let me, let me do this then you can trade the number 16 pick in the draft. I'm just saying they get something like that, but let's say their first round pick this year, you can trade your first round pick for Baker Mayfield. <sighs> um, and you have to sign him to an extension, whatever number right. that may be, you know, 27, 28, 29 million. You know, I, th- I think I would. I think I think I would because Baker is younger. He fits in that uh, and fits in that age group with Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, and those players. Uh, and, and I think, you know, I, I think Baker Mayfield. Maybe he's not better than Matt Ryan, but when it, in terms of he doesn't reach his full potential, yeah, I think, and he, he's definitely a guy you can obviously see is in need of a scheme change. I don't think he fits well the Cleveland Browns, uh, honestly. Um, I would like to see that. I would like to see that. And I, and I think I think Baker Mayfield, even though Mayfield has not been what people thought he was, and I said that he's you know been kind of overrated, uh, and we're obviously seeing Mayfield not be as elite as what he was or, or as what people thought he could be, um, I think he's better than any guy you could pick a pick 16 in the NFL draft right now, a quarterback. I would, I would take Baker Mayfield over anyone right now. Now, certainly maybe some of the rookie ceilings could be higher, but if you're Arthur Smith and you're, and you're looking at, hey, how can I make sure that this uh, Falcons team is as good as I can? It can be to where I can keep my job for the future. I think Baker Mayfield would do the, that job the best. So I would say yes. I would trade pick 16 right now for Baker Mayfield if I was the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, and the great equalizer in that case is the rookie wage scale, which gets thrown out a lot that Baker Mayfield would immediately be an expensive option. But the Falcons are in a similar position to the Colts where they have a lot of cap space available. And so they're not necessarily in jeopardy of, oh, we have to sign all of these star players to gigantic extensions. Like that's not something that really exists for the Falcons right now. I think Dante Fowler is their only real player that's making more than like 15 million a year, which is weird to say that Dante Fowler is making more than 15 million a year. But 
they, they don't really they're they don't really have to worry that much about financial cap stringing. So that that was the you answered the question that I was going to ask, which is that does that just say what you feel about this year's class? Is that Baker Mayfield now is a better is a more secure option than playing the lottery of the draft? And alternatively, how do you feel about passing on a quarterback if you don't? like the quarterback specifically similarly to how the Broncos and Panthers did in last year's draft in skipping out on fields and Mac Jones. So, so here, here's the problem with this NFL draft this year. I, I really don't think there's a quarterback that there's no Joe Burrow quarterback that you're immediately plug and play. There's no Trevor Lawrence uh, plug and play guy. Every quarterback in this class is going to need a, reliable veteran quarterback that could start whenever needed in the event that they are not able to be good enough to play. Right. Like that, that's, the, that's this class this year. Now you usually have two possibly quarterback. We had two last year, at least with Zach Wilson, and Trevor Lawrence, which were guys that like, Hey, we, we have backup quarterbacks that, you know, are okay, but they're not going to play at all. You're the starter. You're going to start week one. You're going to be that guy. We had two of those guys last year. And we, now, you know, I guess we now have Justin Fields and Matt Jones who kind of earned those spots as well. This upcoming draft class, I wouldn't be surprised if there's any at all um, that, that are going to be able to be those guys. So I really, really think if you're in any position in this NFL draft class to get someone, you need a good, reliable backup quarterback. You need a Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke, um, basically any quarterback on the Washington football team or, uh, or, or maybe, I don't know, like a, um, you know, maybe, maybe, even a, maybe even a guy like uh, uh, the New York Jets backup, White. Uh, who, who all of a sudden somehow <laughs> had a breakout season uh, this year? That you can they can just come in and start whenever needed. You know, be an okay guy. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be anything elite, but it has to be someone that you can be able to you know say like, hey, I can start you. And you know, Matt Ryan could even be that guy if you're the Falcons. You want to keep Matt Ryan on the roster, get a rookie quarterback. I could see a scenario where that could work out possibly. Now there's you're still paying him a lot of money. And I don't know if that's worth it financially, but if you were willing to do that, I wouldn't be against it. Um, obviously if you get Baker Mayfield, I think getting a, a rookie quarterback would be counterproductive. And of course you wouldn't have to pick to get yeah. one. So that would make a lot of sense there, but yes, I, I, w- I would say for sure. Um, this rookie draft class is just not on par. Um, th- that is more of a slight to the rookie draft class than it is saying Baker Mayfield's good. I think Baker Mayfield is probably a safer pick to have to be a good, you know, quarterback for your team than any rookie right now in the NFL draft. I like this game. Let me throw one more out here. Matt Ryan for Daniel Jones and a second round pick. Yes, in a heartbeat. I would totally accept that. Totally if accept that. If you're the Falcons? That would Yes, okay. yes. Now, if if you if you're the Giants different different scenario though there, but I, I would say in both cases, I could see both cases they make a trade here. Matt, you know, of course, Daniel Jones to the Falcons. He can be that temporary starter. You can get a developmental guy behind him, like a Malik Willis, who I think can be a very good good player that can learn behind Daniel Jones, and they can make a lot of sense for the Falcons. And then for the Giants, almost the exact same scenario. You have Matt Ryan come in and be a temporary starter, maybe a guy that can start a year or two, and you can maybe get a Sam Howell or a pocket-passing quarterback in the draft that might be a little bit lower, um, maybe like a Carson Strong from Nevada or something like that, who can do the exact same thing, learn right behind Matt Ryan, and whenever both Daniel Jones and Matt Ryan are obviously not good enough to lead this team anymore, you have your backup. I think that would be an ideal situation more, more for the Falcons. Cause of course they earn a second round pick here, but at the same time for the, for the giants, it would also make sense because obviously Daniel Jones is probably not going to be your future right now. And if you want to, if you think this team's good enough to be able to win a couple of games this season, and you think you can get a good backup quarterback to learn behind Matt Ryan, maybe it does make sense to be able to sacrifice that a second round pick and some cast space for that. Yeah. The giants feel like exactly where the 2020 Falcons were 
where they're like getting ready to fumigate the organization and they need like a bridge to get there, but they don't want a quarterback in this year's class. Like the, the giants feel like they're literally in the exact same place. The Falcons were last year. So maybe that's where, um, that's where I'm thinking where they just get a bridge quarterback, which on, which would be ironic because Matt Ryan's an upgrade versus Daniel Jones, but I, it would just be like a bridge situation while they fumigate their organization and try and rebuild there. So I like this game where we throw out different people in there. So basically what you're saying is the Falcons should sign Tyrod Taylor. That's basically all I'm hearing at this point is just bring in Tyrod Taylor to play quarterback or backup or third string a rookie or something like that. Yeah, you're on mute. I think that would be absolutely ideal if you were the Atlanta Falcons, honestly. Tyrod Taylor makes a lot of sense. Uh, and no, he's not going to be a guy that's going to win you football games. He is still going to be a guy that is exactly what he is. He's a temporary bridge quarterback to help you bring in the next rookie to take over, right? And he's, he's okay with that job. He's done that job great. Um, he did it really, really well. And, uh, you know, in LA with, with Justin Herbert, I thought, I thought he, you know, he was not very good in Cleveland, but he did it good enough to make it to where he had a temporary couple of starts and Baker Mayfield took over and, you know, to a much lesser extent, they don't, Houston doesn't have their future quarterback yet, but, you know, he performed really, really well in the first game with Houston. And then of course, Davis Mills took over. So, I mean, I, I certainly think with Tyler Taylor, it does make a lot of sense. He's, a, he's definitely one of the cheaper options. If you want to keep cap space, and be able to, to use all that cap space to get someone else. Tyrod Taylor makes a lot of sense to be a temporary starter, and you get a rookie that maybe starts a little bit sooner uh, rather than later if you're the Falcons. That would make Austin a lot more sense and might be the safer option if you're Atlanta because that makes it to where, of course, you can use all that other cap space to upgrade the defense, which desperately needs upgraded. All right, let's play this game now that I've been sitting on for a week now, which is a, I have currently in front of me, we've done this before with DVOA rankings, and we've done this with lucky and unlucky quarterbacks passing. And uh, I forgot what game we did a few weeks ago, but it was another version of this with uh, the, the, I think, oh God, I can't remember. We did one recently with this, but I have, oh, uh, we did. Yeah, we did quarterback one anyways. So in front of me, I have without last week's data involved. So this is from after we, this was the week after the uh, bear Steelers controversy on uh, what was it? The Monday night football game is that on this list, we have the NFL teams net EPA gained and lost from penalties only. So this is points per or sorry, penalties for and again or points for and against teams per game this season so this is uh who has gained the most from penalties and who has been taken away the most from penalties so far this year from calls during games this season so we have from one to 32 the nfl teams that have received and lost the most points per game courtesy of penalties and uh, oh my I would like to see whether this is again totally random if if we who watch hundreds of hours of football every season can determine how it is that the games are actually truly won and lost <laughs> that this is going to be really tough because I don't even know who has most penalties right now in the league at all so I mean this is a complete shot in the dark but man I, I, this is interesting I'm, I'm interested in this yeah so this should this should be interesting this is not necessarily just straight penalties this is yards for and against and how many points have estimated to be taken off the board or points added on the board for teams based on who has benefited and lost the most from penalties this year. So 
Uh, we who watch dozens of hours of foot or sorry, hundreds of hours of football have no idea what it is we're watching. And I think this game may prove such to be true. So I ask you first and foremost, we, we have uh, like a family feud five on the board here. Who are the teams as of last week? So again, we don't have new data from this week, but as of last week, who are the five teams who have benefited the most from penalty calls in 2021? Well, um, honestly, I think first and foremost, one of them might be my own team, Cincinnati Bengals. I know that they're the least penalized team currently in the NFL. That is correct. The Cincinnati Bengals have benefited fourth most in the NFL from penalties in 2021. Okay. Uh, there's one down. Um, You've watched a lot of that and you with... know that one. You know that one. <laughs> yeah. No, the rest of these are just shots in the dark right now. That was the only one I had any sort of evidence on at all. So I'm just warning you it's going to get bad after this. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to go with Green Bay. Green Bay is 13th. So Green okay. Bay benefits but benefits only slightly so just for reference for people listening at home 15 and 16 is basically zero so that's kind of where the transition works is that around 15 and 16 you'll see zero and then it starts working negatives like you've had points taken against you so packers are 13 which means slight benefit but not very much gotcha um i'm gonna go with i'll I'll go with the new england patriots here Close. The Patriots are eighth on this list. Eighth. Gotcha. Um, what about? Let's go with Kansas City. I don't make a lot of big plays. They might have been a fifth machine. Kansas City is fourteenth. Fourteenth. So Man. they're pretty much okay. in the middle. So for people who are listening at home, again, so one means that you've benefited the most. Thirty-two means that you have suffered as a result of penalty calls. Yeah. Um, what about what about Seattle? Seattle is indeed on the list. They are fifth. They are the gotcha. fifth most benefited team from penalties. Okay. Um, Denver. Denver is twelfth. Okay. At least I'm in the top half. I haven't gotten anywhere yeah. below. You're that hitting yet. all the middle ones. <laughs> Yeah. Um, what about the New York Jets? <laughs> Unbelievable. The Jets are 16th. So that's 12 oh through 16. You've hit all of them. <laughs> of course I had. It just makes so much sense. Um, LA Chargers. Uh, the Chargers are finally in the bottom half. The Chargers are a bottom okay. half team. So yeah. no for the Chargers. Gotcha. Um, what about my Chicago? Uh, that is a no for Chicago. Oh, I think I already actually answered them, didn't I? Did I already say them? No, you didn't, but Chicago, okay. Chicago's not on there. I realized if I give away all of them that once we get to the negatives, you eliminate them be, all. Yeah. It's going to be a little easier, but you, Chicago, yeah. Chicago's just one that you didn't say already. Okay. That's fine. Um, what about, the LA Rams. Uh, the they LA Rams LA. are, huh? They already say LA. I, I keep forgetting. You, got, you did the Chargers. You did the Chargers. Uh, the Rams are not in the top five. 
Gotcha. Um, what, what about Atlanta? Uh, the team we were just talking about earlier. You got them. Atlanta is the second most beneficiary of penalties this year. Nice. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. What about Baltimore? I know they're another one that's had some controversy. Uh, also, this is just a fun fact that I had wrote down that I wanted to put. The Falcons have, I mean, before last week, had the most penalties by their opponents by, of any team this season. Uh, wow. Yeah, to come back around, Baltimore is not in the top uh, five. Okay. Um, what about New Orleans? Uh, New Orleans is not in the top five. Gotcha. Oh, this is tough. Um, you have gotten Arizona. three already. Huh? Yeah. Arizona. Arizona is not in the top five. Hmm. Let's see. Let's do. Let's do Miami. What about the Dolphins? So close. Miami is sixth. Oh, they were the, they were man. the last team on the outside looking in. That's tough. Um, it's a good one to draw, though. I wouldn't have guessed Miami at all. Like I, I wouldn't have thought of them even. I would have probably guessed they would have been lower on the list given how much their defense has regressed. Yeah. So I, I was just going to explain my thought process real quick when I go over this. A, a lot of the the teams I have chosen, I, this this might be a bad idea of like figuring out and stuff. I feel like a lot of times whenever games are, are you know, like points, you know, points, you know, allowed and against for like um, penal- penalties and stuff like that. I really think of like DPI and OPI, like a lot of those plays because like it's like some of the biggest, right? And so I'm thinking of teams that have like um, – uh, either have receivers that can go deep a lot and have a deep passing attack or uh, teams that have, um, or I'll, in this case, in the next one, I'll think of teams that are, you know, have pretty weak corners that might not be like a, exactly that. So I'm just kind of thinking them off my head of like deep passing teams. I can see, you know, maybe getting some good calls occasionally. Um, I will say, let's go with Dallas. Dallas is not on this list. Gotcha. gotcha, gotcha. Um, what about the New York Giants? Uh, Giants are ninth on this list. Okay. So not. Good thought bad. process there. Yeah. Um, dang. I'm trying to think of a team that didn't already stay. That's the toughest part of this. I mean, we can go Tennessee down. Tennessee Titans. Huh? Tennessee Titans. Uh, that is a no for the Titans. The Titans are the dead middle. The Titans have benefited negative 0.08 points from <laughs> per game from penalties, which I think comes out to about one point of negative, I think is how it works. So the Titans are the dead smack middle. Here, just to run through real quick, I'll just kind of knock off some of the ones you had. So you had the Chargers, the Chiefs, uh, the Jets, the Giants, the Falcons, Bengals, Seahawks are obviously in. The Dolphins, um, the Cardinals, the Broncos, the I think I said Packers, Rams, Cowboys, Bears, Chargers, Ravens, and the Patriots too, right? I guess yeah, Patriots. Patriots too. That's I I didn't yeah. get all of them, but I got a, I got a bunch of them. I think he gets the Cardinals too. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what about the Raiders? Uh, the Raiders are not in the top five. Golly, this is tough. Yeah. Um, to be fair, there's only two left. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, 
What about I find it's really hard to believe because they're terrible, but what about Detroit? <laughs> no, not Detroit. Yeah. It's complete just shot in the dark. It was really, a belief. I mean, By the way, since you mentioned Detroit, could I tell you my favorite stat from last week? Yes, um, go ahead. So the Lions have gone for it on fourth down 25 times this year, which is five more than the next closest team. And they are 27th in fourth down conversions in the NFL. <laughs> Wow, that is bad. <laughs> They're going for it, but they just can't get it. <laughs> <laughs> that is tough. Um, what about what about Indianapolis, the Colts? You got them. They are number three. Indianapolis three? Okay. is third on the list. I'm still missing one though. You're missing Buffalo. the top one. It is not Buffalo. No. Okay. Um, that's another shot in the dark. What about Houston Texans? No, nope, it's not the Houston Texans. No, nope. golly, this is tough. Um, Carolina? Nope, it's not Carolina. Carolina's another middle of the road team. Gotcha. Um, trying to think of NFL teams I haven't already thought of. I think I've <laughs> done most of them. Well, do you want me to do you want me to name the ones uh, that you haven't done yet? I didn't say. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, if you no, have one, throw it out there, and then I'll 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 accumulate okay. the ones I'll, you I'll, haven't guessed. So this one I was I'm gonna guess first on the next one <laughs> because of the DPIs, but I'll go and say now San Francisco. It is not San Francisco. Gotcha. So here are here are the ones that I can find. Here I'll give you four that you haven't guessed yet. I will give you. Four teams that you have not thrown out here, and these will be your final four options. Because I think there's like seven you haven't done, but I can't remember. Like, did you guess Washington? I don't think I did. Okay. Yeah, it's not Washington, but I couldn't remember if you did or not. So the four I will throw out here are the Jaguars, the Browns, the Vikings, and the Steelers. I'm going to say the Browns. It is not the Cleveland Browns. Okay. Is it the Vikings? It is not the Minnesota Vikings. Really? So is it the Jaguars? It is not the Jaguars. Oh my God. It's the Steelers. <laughs> it is the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I think is where this chart came from was because of the, the Bears-Steelers game. But yeah, the Steelers have uh, benefited the most from penalty calls so far in 2021. So just for people keeping track at home, since we guessed like 28 of the teams, uh, the top five was the Steelers, Falcons, Colts, Bengals, Seahawks. Uh, The Jaguars were seventh on the list. That was the last top half team that you hadn't guessed. (laughs) (laughs) That is astounding, honestly. (laughs) I love that. That was uh, that was exactly what I was rooting for. You got off to a hot start, and then it just became chaos. <laughs> yep, because that, that's how it goes for me usually. <laughs> well, because these stats are just random. Like it's really hard to know exactly what this is just from the naked eye. Like it's really hard to to decipher these. So, um, let's go to the bottom five, and this time I will announce all the other ones that you guess. I know we already announced like close to half of them, but. Uh, let's see. Let's see what you got on the last half. 
so the the ones who benefited the least, right? Yes, the ones who have been, I guess you could say penalized the most, like they've had points subtracted yeah. the most. All right, I'm going to say San Francisco first because I know they lead the league in DPIs right now. And once again, you are correct. They are fourth on the list. All right. Uh, what about Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay is second on this list. <laughs> Let's get start again, huh? Yeah, look at uh, you. Tennessee? No for Tennessee. Tennessee is 17th. They were the middle of the road team. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, Dallas. Or they, 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 no, they were middle of the road too, weren't they? I never told you what Dallas was, but they kind of were. They, they're 21st, so they, they lose okay. a, a little bit, they, but they're, they're in the bottoms. They are getting screwed a little bit. What about Cleveland? Cleveland is dead last. Cleveland has suffered the most. And by the way, it's a really significant margin. Like the, I think Tampa, it says here is like two and a half points. Um, the Browns are like three and a half points. So the, it's a wow. wide margin between the Browns and the next closest team. That is crazy. Um, what about the Panthers? Uh, no for the Panthers. The Panthers are 17th. Gotcha. Um, I already said Titans, right? I think I did. Yeah. Um, I think that's the third time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say the Lions. Lions are 25th. Or no, were they another one that was in the no. middle? I mean, yeah. Okay. You can just throw people out there, even if it is in the middle. It's it's totally fine. But no, the Lions are 25th. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about Philadelphia? Uh, Philadelphia is 10th. So they, they have benefited wow. from okay, penalties. So this yeah. The, 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 the Eagles benefit is just that opponents have gotten a ridiculously high number of penalties called on them. Right. Interesting. Just what a about weird coincidence. Buffalo. Buffalo is yeah. seventh worst. So not quite the top five, but seventh worst. Hmm. Okay. What about Huh. What about no, I said Miami. I'll say Miami again. Yeah, Miami was up there. They were they were the one that was close to the top. They were sixth, I think. Sixth. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I, I've noticed a trend here. Once um, you get about three, you start to hit a wall. Like uh you have two left and they're kind of random, and then you you're just you've got a lot of teams to guess from. <laughs> yeah, I, I can think of like a couple of teams that like just like I, I think of immediately when I think of that, right? Yeah. And then it you just... you knew the 49ers and you know the the Tampa Bay has just an awful secondary. Right. Yeah. Um what about the Chargers. Chargers are 23rd. Okay. So they are suffering a little bit more than they have received. What about no no Atlanta's in the top five. Never mind. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, what about did I already say Washington? Uh, you said it for the last one, but Washington is eighteen. Eighteen, gotcha. Um, the Jets. 
Jets were 15. So they, they're like oh. one of these that's close to middle of the road. Like they haven't benefited, but they haven't lost. So the Jets are a true two-win team this year. <laughs> Houston. That's one of them. Houston is the third most uh, team that third most penalized or lose the most points of penalties or whatever EPA is officially. But the Texans are third, which means you have gotten one, two, three, and four. You're only left with the last fifth worst team. Kansas City? Nope. Kansas City is 14th. Vegas. Vegas is the final team. You got it. Vegas was (laughs) the fifth most penalized team in 2021. Whoops, 2021. I was going to say, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, nope, this, this year. That's half of this year, but also not last week's game. So we don't have the stats gotcha. from last week. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are some other, That's interesting. Yeah. What are some other fun ones here? Let's see. The Rams, you mentioned them earlier. They were 20th. Uh, Cowboys, 21. Chicago, 22, which I guess makes sense because they were the whole team around the controversy of last Monday night. Um, I don't think we ever talked about that on the podcast. Now that I think about it, I don't think we ever talked about the bear Steelers. Not that it's important, but we never got around to it. Um, sixth was Minnesota six worst. So Minnesota was suffering a bit, which I guess makes sense because they have not so great corners this year. And you had Buffalo. Uh, yeah, I think that's most of the ones that we got. The saints were 19. I guess that's kind of cool. Saints are actually, more penalized than benefiting. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Interesting. That, that is actually very, very fine. Cause that, that kind of shows you like what teams are more disciplined than others, you know? Yeah. Or if there's just been bad luck because a referee makes a, a bad call or a difficult call against your team. Uh, yeah. By the way, apparently the bucks were playing the Lakers tonight and, uh, Looks like Milwaukee won, but it was a, a fun game, apparently, according to the internet. <laughs> I heard that it was uh, heard it was really close, and that uh, someone I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter complaining about Camp Bays more. So I'm excited to see how that turns out. <laughs> the Bays gaze, love that, love that for the Bays gaze. Ugh, it's fantastic. Um, would you like to make picks for the week to to cl- cap us off here? course uh again i think i had another pretty bad week i don't think it was that bad this week i think you were uh i think you were two and three i think yeah Yeah. two and three you're back to you're sitting at 500 right now which you know two bad weeks will do that so going three and seven kind of hurts but you know another another two and three week you're still right in the thick of things no question uh I think I messed something up because you're a game short. So I guess I got to go back and see what ended up happening because it says you're 24, 24 and one, but that doesn't make sense because uh, obviously that would not equal five games. So I guess I'll go <laughs> back at some point and figure out what went wrong there, but I've, I've messed, I've short you one game, which could be good and it could be bad, but I guess I'll, I'll see. Probably what- bad. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's optimistic. I know you had the Rams the last game, so that's a loss. Let's see. So you had, uh Packers, that was a win. Jaguar. Oh, I shorted you a win. There you go. I did short you nice. a win. You, so yeah, you're one half game above 500 right now. Uh so last week you had the 
Uh, well, you had the Chargers. Me and you both took a bad beat on that one. <laughs> we took a bad yeah. beat on the Chargers. You got a bad beat on the uh, the Broncos. Um, let's see what else was in here. Uh, oh, you won the Packers and you won the Jaguars because the Jaguars covered and then lost on the two L.A. teams and the Broncos. Yeah, what happened to the Rams? That was terrible. I mean, it just fell apart last week. Now, I will say, I have Cooper Cup in my money fantasy league, and he still gave me enough points to win that last week. So, thank you, Cooper Cup. But, man, I mean, they only scored, what, seven points that game? It was terrible. Yeah, I I don't know what to do with the Rams at this point because I know they're really good. I know they're really talented. And the Titans game, I was just like, yeah, we can toss that away. That was just a... Uh, a weird game and turnovers kind of explain that one away. And Matthew Stafford's not super turnover prone. The Niners game, like the defense just kind of got like beat up. (laughs) The defense got torched by the 49ers, which in fairness, the 49ers have been a really good matchup against the Rams for a long time. This goes back like a few years now, but even with subpar players, the 49ers just cooked their defense. Yeah, I mean, it was it was bad. Debo Samuel is an elite wide receiver. Let me go ahead and say it now, elite. I love him. He is so good, and I'm really, really excited to see how he can be in the future. I, I like him in South Carolina. I watched him dominate. I thought he'd be a really good prospect. I was high on him in the draft. I loved to pick to the 49ers. I thought it was a great fit. I entered this season saying Debo Samuel is the top 49ers target. He is better than Brandon Ayuk. I like him better than George Kittle as a target. Everyone called me crazy, and I was right. Let me go ahead and brag and say that Debo Samuel is an elite wide receiver. Take your victory lap. Yes. Just go around pissing on everyone because you were right about Debo Samuel. Congratulations to you, my friend, because he is really, really good. And that's good for the 49ers because now you have two very good receivers and one of them is always hurt George Kittle. So it's good to have that option available for developing your quarterback, except you're not developing your quarterback for some godforsaken reason at this point, but whatever. That's my gripe with the 49ers on the Trey Lance thing. I, I, you know, I, I never, I never like, unless they're like a big rival, I just strongly dislike, I never root for a team to lose, but I really wouldn't mind seeing the 49ers just have a really bad stretch of games. So we can just Trey Lance finish this season. I would love to see that. I want to see Trey Lance play. Yeah, I'm with you too. I don't know what it gains for them to not do it, but whatever. I'm not their team. Uh, No, this is a semi-punishment for you, but Patriots at Falcons Thursday night. The Patriots are seven-point favorites. Patriots are, again, one of the hottest teams in football right now. I think that they've been really, really good. Uh, And and I'm impressed with how well they played so far uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, But I I do think one thing that we haven't really been talking about is – you know, is this is this the Patriots playing well, or is this them just being able to find teams that are in a slump right now? The AFC is a big question mark that I'm really, really confused about. And I really don't know how it's going to work. Um, so I, I think this game could be, uh, you know, one, one way or the other right now. Um, the Falcons are always a hard team to predict. You don't know if they're going to end up blowing out a team or, or, or going to end up just getting blown out or if they're going to keep a game close. We don't, we don't know what the Falcons. It's impossible to predict, but – I'm going to go ahead and pick the Patriots to cover. I think it's the safest vote right now. I think their running attack is very consistent. They can win this game by over a touchdown. Yeah, I guess uh, you didn't want to bet the Bengals, so I guess you have to bet the Falcons this week. Everyone's got to take their Falcons medicine at some point. Someone, Everyone's got to get the Falcons medicine in there at some point during the season. <laughs> Let's see. What else we got here? Ooh, Dolphins. Yeah, that, that's totally understandable. 
Yeah, I, I, that is fair. I, usually it's a game, but every now and then we got to take our medicine. This is fun. Dolphins at the Jets. Dolphins are three and a half point favorites. <laughs> this is disgusting. Um, I'm not going to watch this game ever, and I really hope that no one else wastes their time by watching this game. Please <laughs> go ahead and say. Um, but I, I will say I do think this is going to be a game where um, – Hopefully, Tua kind of makes his comeback, and we start to see him improve and get better. I, I, I know Joe Flacco starting this week. I don't believe in Joe Flacco to do much in this offense right now. I think the Dolphins can hold him. I was really impressed with the way they played against the Baltimore Ravens last week. I think the Dolphins are not going to be – they're not bad by any means, but they're finding their way back to their older form in a certain way. So I want to say that they can handle business here against the New York Jets and beat them in cover. Did the – I mean, sorry, did the Jets just decide to play Joe Flacco because they gave up a sixth round pick for him? It kind of seems like what happened there where they're just like, oh, we accidentally gave up a sixth round pick and now we feel obligated to play Joe Flacco. I mean, it just doesn't make sense at all. I mean, I, I don't get it. Like, I would understand getting Joe Flacco to be a you know a backup. Um, but I mean, I, I feel like even then there's just you can just find someone off off of free agency to sign. It just that's a big time head scratching move. Cause I feel like what would make most sense is if Zach Wilson comes back healthy, he's probably getting cut. You have to think. So you essentially just waste the six round pick on a two or three week rental. That was just a very head scratching move on the part of the jets. And I think continues to show how, you know, incompetent they are as a football team in general. I mean, that was just, it's, it's a bad move because I mean, obviously they didn't know Mike white was going to be as good as what he was. So I, I, you know, I understand that, but at the same time, I mean, what was what was the the pain in playing Mike White if he was going to end up being a starter the next week anyways? Like you were already going to roll him out one week. What was hurting you from doing it another two weeks after that? I, don't, I just don't see how that you know the Bengals were fine playing Ryan Finley and and Brandon Allen and you know of course they beat the Steelers last a couple two years ago with or no last year with Ryan Finley of course so you know I mean they were okay with running out with pretty bad quarterbacks. I just don't see the downside and just rolling with Matt White and keep Mike White excuse me and keeping um. And just keeping your six round pick there it just didn't make sense to me. Uh, let's go Ravens at the Bears. The Ravens are five point favorites at Chicago. And another really tough game because I really just don't know where Baltimore is at as a football team right now. They are super inconsistent, and I do worry like what they're, they're going to be at. Uh, but again, this is another pretty bad like Bears team right now that I just don't trust a lot. Um, you know, a lot of injuries have, have gone on with both teams, but I definitely think the biggest aspect here is the Chicago Bears right now just don't have the secondary to be able to handle um, the, the weapons of the Baltimore Ravens right now. So I think between Rashad Bateman, and Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, they can score enough points to be able to make it to where it's a higher scoring game and they can probably win in coverage against the, the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I haven't told you about our Bears embargo yet here um, that uh, for the next uh I, for the preceding future, the I will not talk seriously about the Chicago Bears until September 1st, 2022. Um, the reason I have decided this is because the Bears season is over at this point. Um, they will fire the coach. Uh, they will lose Allen Robinson in free agency, replace him with a, a middle tier wide receiver who's available in free agency for slightly less money. Uh, they won't have a first round pick, so we won't talk about that. And then every conversation about them for the next four months will be, will Justin Fields make the next leap? And we won't be able to answer that question until he plays actual games. So 
You could tell me who the coach is the first game of the season, and I will be able to make my evaluation of the Chicago Bears. So uh, we'll not be discussing the Bears. I will not personally be discussing the Bears seriously for the next 10 months. <laughs> I, I totally agree with you, and I think the Bears are in a position – they're in one of the worst positions right now in football. Like we talk about like how last year the Texans were one of the least attractive coaching positions. I think you're entering this season looking at the Bears as being one of them, despite having a rookie quarterback right now and Justin Fields, I think promising – because the lack of picks that you have as a football team right now, the fact that you have a lot of older players, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you have a couple of young guys you can work with. Jalen Johnson's out there doing, you know, I think he's pretty promising. You, of course, I don't know, Mooney, Justin Fields, There's a couple of guys, but is there enough to really say that this is a team that is quote unquote rebuilding? I don't even think so. <laughs> I just think this is a bad football team right now. And and though they have a rookie quarterback in it, like you said, we don't know how good he's going to be until he has the proper players around him. And I do worry about Justin Fields and his development with the Bad Chicago Bears team. So I hope that they can help this offseason. They can probably hopefully clear up some cat space and sign some better players, maybe trying to turn things around. But again, this is I agree with you. It's totally rely on how good the coaching staff is going to be and who what they're willing to go out and get in the NFL draft. They're going to they're going to hit on some picks, they're going to hit on some free agents. Things just have to work out for them for them for it to be able to work out totally. And this concludes our Chicago Bears coverage for the 2021 season. Uh, <laughs> uh, next up, Washington at Carolina, the Ron Rivera revenge game. Uh, the Panthers are three and a half point favorites at home. I worry about Cam Newton and whether or not he's going to be, uh, you know, just as good as what we thought he could be. Like, of course, he's coming in. He's assuming to be the starter this week. So this is going to be a very interesting game. Um, Washington just came off a huge victory against Tampa Bay where they looked really, really good. And I was really, really impressed with how they played. Um, you, you, I, mean, I think you said Carolina was a favorite, right? Um, yeah, three so and a half here, points. Yeah, so, so I'm assuming here that, uh, you know, Washington might not win, but I do think they can cover and keep this game really, really close. But they might be able to win this game as well. Um, of course, no Chase Young now. He's out with the ACL tear. It was really, really heartbreaking to see. Um, you know, seeing how much he supported Joe Bertha, his process being a Bengals fan, you just can't help but just be shattered uh, for, for that guy and how nice of a guy he is. Uh, it was really, really sucky to see. But I, I still think this Washington football de- team defense can do enough to be able to help contain Cam Newton and the Panthers offense just enough. And, you know, I also think maybe, you know, I, I look at this offense and I really think we're, we're seeing some improvements there uh, along, the, along the lines of Antonio Gibson's finally getting a lot better and starting, starting to break out again. You see J.D. McKissick continue to be a pretty dominant force. I think now we're finally starting to see Terry McLaurin kind of continue to be that top 10 receiver. I think he has the potential of being um, – they're finding weapons in DeAndre Carter, a guy that we haven't heard of really ever, uh, who has come out and had a couple of really big games for the Washington football team. I like the, I like the trajectory the offense is heading in right now as well, and I think they can, they can do good enough this week to be able to keep this game close enough to cover. Finally, we have the Cowboys at the Chiefs. The game of the week on Fox. The Chiefs are three-point favorites. Another game that's really, really interesting. Uh, I'm excited to watch this one because it's going to be a, a big key game uh, in terms of not only standings, but also when it comes to just seeing who's the top team in the league right now. Um, because you can argue that both these teams right now are, are you know top five-ish right now. I mean, paid, obviously Chiefs have kind of made a comeback and have done a lot better now, but they still have a very, very weak defense. Um, the Cowboys, I think, are a lot more balanced of a team, but they still have, definitely have some weaknesses on the defense. I'm going to say the Cowboys to cover here, and I actually think the Cowboys win this game. I think this is going to be a very, very good game, and I'm excited to see uh, who ends up winning. But I'm going to go with the Cowboys right now. I just think that they're 
they're more consistent at the moment. I think that the biggest problem for the Chiefs has been uh, the turnovers and what they've done when it comes to turnovers. And, you know, Dallas is best at right now, forcing turnovers. So I think the turnover battle is going to be a huge key part of this game. And I think if Dallas is able to force enough turnovers to make Patrick Mahomes and this offense kind of go in a spiral, I think they can win this football game. You have two minutes on college football you'd like to get off your chest? Um, man, uh, let me just, let me just go ahead and say, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been very, very tough on Cincinnati. I know people that are, you know, a lot of people think I'm a Cincinnati Bearcats hater. Um, but I, I still think I, I look at the, those teams right now. And I mean, I, I don't think Cincinnati is deserving of a playoff spot. I want to go ahead and say it. I, I'm going to be that one guy to say it. I haven't seen enough for them. To oh, really no, I agree. That they are a top four team. I agree with you. I'll be that guy too. But I don't, I don't it's, think it's, they belong. It, it's Georgia's playoffs to lose. Uh, you know, I, if Georgia is in the playoffs, I'm assuming Georgia is going to win the playoff. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think I said this in the podcast last week. Um, Georgia is one of the very few teams as a dominant team that is good enough to have Stetson Bennett be a quarterback and be as good of a quarterback <laughs> as he is. So it's worked out perfectly for them right now. And I just think the defense is absolutely dominant and they're going to take down whoever's, whoever tries to, to stop them. Uh, this year. So, I mean, Georgia's obviously going to win it. I think the, the biggest storyline I want to see right now is two things. Who's going to win the Big Ten right now? And I lean towards Ohio State being that team. And also, um, Cincinnati going to be able to get in in the playoffs. And how, if, they're, if they do, how good can they be? And, I, you know, I, I think that they might be able to. I'm interested in seeing how they play against SMU. Uh, I believe it's this week they play SMU. Um, if they win and win convincingly, maybe I could see them being in the playoffs. Um, but even then, I think if they're playing Georgia week one, it's going to be a blowout. I don't think Cincinnati has a chance. Uh, which is a more shocking line this weekend, that Utah is a favorite at home against Oregon or that Ohio State is a 19-point favorite at home against Michigan State? You know, both are tough, but I can see – I can understand Ohio State being a, a big favorite at home, even though Michigan State's a good football team. Michigan State just came off the – of a, uh, you know, a pretty disappointing loss to Purdue. We just saw Ohio State blow out Purdue. So, you know, you can make the argument that Ohio State's maybe the hotter team right now, and they might just be, in general, the more talented team. Of course, they're at home, and they're they're on a roll right now. They're, you know, outside that Oregon loss, they, they haven't really shown any signs of weaknesses at all. So I, I am I am just shocked that Utah is a, is a favorite against Oregon right now. Oregon has shown no signs of being, a team that is incapable of being a team like Utah. And even though Utah's at home, I'm assuming it's going to be a big crowd. I saw their uniforms this week. It looks insanely cool. I just don't think Utah's better than, you know, good enough to beat Georgia at this point. It just doesn't make sense to me. Or Georgia, Oregon, excuse me, uh, this week. I just don't think that makes sense at all. Uh, and I think Oregon can win this game. I wouldn't, I, I'm not only going to say that. I think Oregon can actually win this game by, you know, double digits. Oh, my gosh. These jerseys are awesome. Oh, right? man. That's so cool. Oh, they got gray. It's got USS Salt Lake on it. Oh, my God. Those are awesome. Woo. They are sick jerseys. I'm watching, I'm watching that game solely to just see the jerseys. Just Utah and Oregon's jerseys. It, just, it looks sick. I'm excited to watch that. We've had like three get days already where we've talked seriously about Pac-12 football. It makes me feel icky inside. But, yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's the game of the week. Because it has real playoff implications in the Pac-12 for some godforsaken reason. Yeah, it's just the Pac-12 for you. I mean, I don't, I don't remember anyone talking about Utah at all this season. All of a sudden, they're a favorite against number four Oregon. So I just, I just don't get that. 
Yeah, Utah's getting all the things UCLA thought they were going to get this year. UCLA right, exactly. just got bottomed out. Now Utah has filled that role because Utah's always there. In a world where Gary Patterson's getting fired after four bad years, after 20 years at the helm at TCU, and Texas Tech's firing a coach with a 5-3 and three record, you got Oklahoma State and Utah. They're saying, we're content to win eight games every year. We're going to keep our coach for 20 years. We're totally cool with it. <laughs> Oklahoma State's nice, though. Uh, you know, I'll give credit to them. I, think, I mean, they've been nice this year, but I, I will say uh, UCLA started this season. Utah's finishing it. Yep. <laughs> They're basically just the same team. It's just one team started, the one team's finishing it right now. Um, and, I mean, UCLA fell off hard. I mean, they looked really good at the beginning of the season, and they just completely fell off. So, uh, you know, I, I, I do think – I do like Utah – I think this can be. I'm, I'm excited to watch this game. There's definitely going to be some prospects I'm looking at. Um, you know, of course, it's going to be really interesting to see how. Um, I, I'm really looking at Verone McKinley, the safety from Oregon. I'm excited to see how he performs. Um, I, I'm excited to see a couple of these guys go out and play. And I'm, I'm going to watch this game. Definitely keep an eye on it. I think it'd be really fun to watch. Michael Wright as well, cornerback from Oregon. I like him too. Sorry. Are you ready to watch Wake Forest and Pitt in the ACC championship? I'm actually. Is it bad that I'm actually excited to see this? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I have become quite the fan of Kenny Pickett over the year, over the last couple of weeks. I have quite enjoyed Kenny Pickett. He's been really fun to watch. And this Wake Forest offense is just so interesting. Have you seen Wake Forest? Like, Wake Forest has one of the best passing attacks in the league. But to see how, like, the quarterback, like, runs, like, towards the pocket and throws at the same time, it's such a weird weird offense like i don't get it he steps so far into the pocket it's just weird to me i don't know wake forest is an interesting team and kenny pickett is insane i love kenny pickett and i'm excited to see how this game turns out even though um you know it is a very very poor acc championship it might be it might be the worst acc championship in 10 years which is really saying something because there have been some shit teams that have made the acc championship but well you've at least had clemson right like this year clemson's terrible so Who's the next best team? Pittsburgh? Wake Forest. Goddamn Wake, Wake Forest. Forest. That's who. Wake Forest, who should have had Kenneth Walker, but he transferred to Michigan State because that's how Wake Forest works. Is this game is if it's not 50-50, we riot. If this if this ACC championship is not 54 to 56, then we're all gonna be pissed. And, and I was so excited this year, uh, or at the beginning of this year to potentially see this game be like the 2022 quarterback one, Sam Howell versus the 2023 quarterback one and DJ Ungalele go head to head in the ACC championship game. And I mean, that just did not age well at all. Nope. <laughs> Completely just did not age well one bit. So that is, you know, flipped on his head. Nope. It turns out Sam Howell was carried by his running backs. It's weird turn of events. Yep. <laughs> 